planning a little bit, being more intentional, including the vulnerability factors, the things that sounds like your student goes into this with a good intention. But then there are these other factors that ultimately divert this plan. So plan for those. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. We're going to talk today about the holiday seasons and the breaks that are coming up because we know that in terms of our theme of connection, we know that a lot of students are anticipating either returning home or maybe even joining other families, chosen families for these holidays, which could also bring up a lot of excitement, but also can bring up some tensions or anticipation of Uh oh, I have to see this person I haven't seen in two years, and it could be awkward. And so just wanting to explore how to approach those events and thinking a little bit more about are there boundaries that you might need to consider in returning home? Are there people you really want to reach out to that maybe you haven't in the past or someone you haven't seen? We know that for some people, they didn't get to see grandparents last year or didn't get to see certain people. So just starting to think about what are the parts that you're really excited about and which parts are you kind of dreading? Yeah, I think the holidays or even just returning home can be sort of a mixed bag for some of us looking forward to that. And some of us, this could be full of triggers, all kinds of triggers, depending on what type of situation you're returning to, family dynamics. For some folks, it could be even domestic violence situation. And then other triggers. Holidays and breaks are often associated with drinking, food, so watching out for those. And I'm a big fan of developing a little bit of a plan, sort of not overthinking it, but also knowing, one, setting your intention. How do you want to go into that break? How do you want to feel at the end of it? What do you have control over and what you don't have control over? Who are your safe people and safe spaces? And sort of planning for that a little bit. And even, again, I wouldn't want to turn it into sort of compulsive pre-planning. But I do think that even rehearsal can be super effective. We see it with students, even with simple saying no. We think we've got this. Then you just get caught off guard when the barrage of questions or pressure is coming. So I think that's helpful and I think that our goal today is just to normalize that wherever you are is okay and how can we make the best of it. And I'm very well aware of also some students just not having a place to necessarily return to. And on the other hand, others are looking to return home and visit with everyone. And that can be a complicated situation of its own. So a lot to really explore. Yeah, and it makes me think of I've talked with a number of students when they're returning back home or to people that they only see on occasion, who may be tempted to make comments about things such as relationship status, or people's bodies, or how are you doing in school, right? It might be that they're going to bring something up that you don't really want to talk about. And so I think what Alona is saying about having a plan, like we don't have to have a plan for every single interaction, but maybe what are those interactions that you might just know are coming and to have something to say. So for example, I've had a number of students who might anticipate a family member making a comment about their body, whatever that is. 
And one of the responses that we've encouraged students to use is my weight is the least interesting thing about me. That might be a little loaded and you might need to think of your own version of that. But I think we can consider what are the responses we might have Or even if someone's like, hey, you know, are you dating anyone yet? That might be something that's hard to talk about. And so to consider what might you say back or how do you deflect the conversation if that's not really what you want to talk about? Because I know some people can really almost avoid gatherings if they are anticipating seeing people that are going to bring things up that they don't really want to discuss. It makes me aware of sort of our own comfort with how we assert boundaries that some of us are a lot more direct and will just say, hey, listen, my food, my body is off limits. And some of us may just simply change the topic and just say, and how are you? Mm -hmm. And so go into that more deeper conversation rather than, let's say, diet talk or people's bodies. And I think with politics, too, I mean, some people thrive on getting into conversations that can be maybe not arguments, but people like to debate. That's one thing. And so if that's part of your experience, some families, I think, love that at the table, they're sort of hashing out big topics. Or if those things start to feel uncomfortable, I think that is a spot, whether you want to change the subject or whether you're thinking to yourself, kind of like Alona mentioned before, do you have your go-to people that you can kind of excuse yourself and be like, hey, Let's go take a walk or let's go do this other thing. So to consider ahead of time, who are those people? Because it is easy to get caught up in it, especially if people are drinking or if people are kind of wound up, it can be uncomfortable. And I just think it's worth thinking about ahead of time. Who do you really want to spend the time with? And a lot of times when we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about setting boundaries. But I think this is also another time where you can think to yourself, who might you really want to make more time to talk to? I had a student say that, She's obviously known her grandpa her whole life, but she doesn't actually ever really sit down and just talk to him and hear his stories and that she really wanted to make an effort. It was more usually like, how's school? How's this? So she started asking him, like, tell me about your past. And of course, he was thrilled, too, that she was kind of digging a little bit more below the surface. And so I think that's worth considering, too, is who are the people you want to get to know a less surfacey level? Mm -hmm. I love that joy. And it actually reminded me of something and we're not affiliated. This is not a plug in for them. But have you heard of StoryWorth? You can give to folks and it sends them, I think it's weekly emails with questions about things from their life. So I know we have gifted it to family members. And it's really, it's been so, so lovely to just discover deeper layers beyond mm-hmm. those conversations, like you said, how is school and love going a little bit deeper with so it goes back to meaningful conversations, who do you want to have relationships with? What do they look like? Kind of honing in on what's your objective? What do you want? What matters? When you think about boundaries, so there might be physical boundaries you want to set with people, whether that's like literally people you're going to see that you might want to set like a sexual boundary with or just like a physical boundary. There's sort of those emotional boundaries of like, okay, I'm just not going to share this part of my life with anyone except certain people. Social type of boundaries too, like who do you really like to hang out with? Maybe just more one-on-one and who might you want to be in a big group with? And just also considering, I had actually another student the other day tell me that he'll have boundaries for himself. But then when he gets kind of caught up in the moment with other people, he like 
breaks his own boundaries. So it's not that other people are doing it, because sometimes we have that happen where other people cross our boundaries, but that he finds, I think he was kind of trying to make the point that he's like a people pleaser. And that once he's sort of in a group, whether it's family or friends or whatever, he might, I need to go to bed early tonight, and I'm gonna do it. And then once he's there, people are like, oh, you know, stay up or da da da. And then later on, he'll be like, oh my gosh, I thought that I had really committed to that. And I think that's hard. I think that's where we have to learn whether that's a trigger or whether that's just a moment for us of what are the things that make it really hard to keep a boundary and what might help in those situations. One thing that can be helpful is announcing it, making it public. So if this Mm -hmm. is a struggle the student knows, why not say, hey, listen, usually you guys, I set these boundaries, then I'm with you and this is what happens. I would really appreciate that if maybe you didn't do that or just help me out to stick to my own boundaries. So Mm -hmm. there's something about making it sort of public and then sticking to it. And I like to talk about play the tape all the way. And so sometimes we might say, hey, I'll just have one beer and no one has to find out or it's not going to be a big deal. But then we know for some folks that's problematic and it never really stays with that one beer. And so play the tape all the way to what happens. So next day it may be this and then I end up blacked out or whatever it might be. Just slow it down a little bit and play the tape all the way. The student sounds like they can reflect on this later on, but not necessarily in the moment. And this is where I am a fan of planning a little bit, being more intentional, including the vulnerability factors, the things that sounds like your student goes into this with a good intention. But then there are these other factors that ultimately divert this plan. So plan Mm -hmm. for those. Almost anticipating what's going to get in the way Mm -hmm. and then having one more Mm -hmm. step. So I like that. I mean, that's definitely a huge piece of it is saying it out loud. And in some cases, maybe asking someone close to you for help with whatever boundary you're saying. Okay, I said I was going to go to bed at 10 because I have this thing in the morning. Please help me. And not that you're putting it on them, but at the same time, A, you're saying it out loud, which really it just is different. But then you do have this other person who you trust, ideally, who, dude, you said you were going to go to bed. And so more of an accountability loop. Mm -hmm. It also reminds me a little bit of one what in DBT we call cope ahead, which is guided imagery, much like in athletics, guided imagery in which you, and again, I want to be careful not to sort of make the impression that we have to pre-plan every human interaction. That's a whole different story. But if there are particularly loaded situations and situations that are repetitive, this could even be a parent struggling to get their children out the door every morning. In Cope Ahead, you really, in that imagery, you sort of imagine every moment by moment, including your reactions, including these barriers, and how you're responding to that. And so in athletics, I worked with a college runner. And in her guided imagery, she would have certain miles she knew she would hit a wall. And in particular, with her guided imagery, she would have this visualization of having a bungee cord and being pulled by the runner in front of her. So this can be translated, obviously, to life situations as well. And from DBT, I'm also a big fan of Dear Man and sort of planning out the objective and expressing yourself and why it's important to you and even planning for what we call sort of the tangents. So in Dear Man, the M stands for mindful. And how do you skillfully return to your objective when folks might take you on a tangent, even if sort of subconsciously they do? How do you again return back to your objective and stay kind of focused while remaining flexible and not compulsively planning? I think we can do a little bit of 
intention in this. Yeah. And then the other thing we wanted to mention, because I know this happens for a lot of students, especially if only been away at college for the first time or maybe for a year or so is sometimes you go back home or back to where you grew up or back to old friends and you kind of have an aha moment. Oh my goodness, I've changed. And maybe they haven't, which isn't a judgment, but it can sometimes be jarring on both sides. You can notice it and others are like, whoa, I didn't know you thought this now or wait a minute, people will literally say it seems like you've changed. And we can receive that in multiple ways too. It can sound like a judgment or it can just be an observation. And I know that students have thought a lot about sometimes even parents who are really happy that their students went off to college, in some cases, first generation students, they still can feel they're being left behind. Oh, you're going off to college and you're going to learn all these things and we're still just doing what we're doing. And so that can be hard. It can be hard to sort of untangle all the feelings that are a part of that. So just to notice it, because it's not if you are feeling that way, or if you do feel that way, you are for sure not alone. It reminds me a little bit of even culture shock, cross-cultural adjustment when you return from an experience abroad. And you said sometimes folks haven't changed. Their life didn't change. Your life is now very different. Theirs isn't. And so how do you integrate those two parts and make it work? And like you said, folks who are away from college for the first time, they said come home, they're like, oh, this looks like now I have sort of had space from this. I've also heard how other people or families do this. And now it's really clear to me. When I grew up in it, it seemed the only way, the only story out there. But now I see maybe even when our dysfunction is, and you bet that every family has some of those. So how do you navigate it? Also reminds me of in college, you find this newfound freedom, new boundaries, you do a lot of things so independently, and then you return home, and there still might be old rules and even a curfew. How do you negotiate so that it can work for both sides. I just saw this commercial last night where he seemed to be college age or traditional college age. And his parents had one of those nest cams. And so he just walks up to it and starts talking to it saying, okay, I'm busted. I know you're watching. <laughs> it was just kind of funny, but I thought it was a funny way probably was a little bit of a tense moment, but he knew he was late. I mean, that's what was implied was that he broke curfew and he's on camera, he's busted. But it does remind me of emotional intelligence too. How do we approach? You will have a moment of tension over winter break holiday. And that's okay. So we've been talking about a lot on this podcast is that's being human and it's how you approach it. And sometimes we have literally no control over how other people are going to approach things, but you have control over how you do. And so what are the values that you want to bring to those moments where you just have to take a deep breath and recenter or where you know, I can't talk about this right now, but I will sleep and I'll have a better conversation with you about it in the morning. How do you just roll with some of it? And with the stuff that you really feel strongly about, that might be where planning ahead, rehearsing a couple of things can be really helpful. And I think super important, how do you keep yourself resourced? Because we sure as heck are able to respond in a more grounded way when we are resourced. So thinking of that, what might be nurturing and self-care for you while at home and holidays, breaks, whatever, it is full of emotions, full of expectations. As we know, expectations are pre-planned disappointments. So kind of keeping that little bit grounded. And I even joke that 
If you think you can be at home for a week, cut it in half. That's usually sort of the reasonable time. You know what I mean? I don't know that students always have sort of a choice about that. But if you do, it's something to ponder. And maybe that is sort of part of our assignment today. Observe, notice what is happening, what is new, how did you cope, how do you hope to come out of this along those lines. Yeah, and also just to recognize that for some students, they're going home or going back might not be an option. And it is worth looking into if it's not being advertised super clearly on your campus that a lot of campuses will do, whether it's Thanksgiving or winter break, they'll do meals together or definitely always optional housing for folks. So just know that you also will not be alone if you're not either if you just don't want to go home, which is legit, or if you can't, or if that's not an option, that there's often people in housing or people in student life that will find communities for students who want to stay on campus over the break, because that might be actually what you'd prefer. Yeah. And I think that this is, at least on our campus, that historically is the case around Thanksgiving. I think it gets mm -hmm. a little bit more complicated around the winter break and sort of the mm -hmm. Christmas break. And maybe even reaching out to some of your friends, colleagues, they may not have any idea yeah, that right. going home for you is not an option or a good situation. So we hope that whether you're traveling home, whether you're traveling with other friends or with chosen family over the breaks, that we've given you a few ideas about how to prep if there are things you want to prep for, potentially how to set boundaries, or maybe even think about who do I want to reach out to and where you might be able to be a little bit more vulnerable with folks you haven't connected more deeply with. And just sort of to anticipate what could get in the way of you having a good experience, instead of it letting getting you caught off guard and being something that you're like, Ugh, I wish I had thought about that before. And I just hope that Thanksgiving break tends to be short and students have to return to finals. And so oftentimes it's not as restful. But in general, I hope that you are able to find rest and feel a little bit more refreshed and ready to go when you return. Yes. Okay. Take care of yourself, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, you should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.